0: Merkel Media,
1: Kill. 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 the mocking bird, the well, mocking bird, the mocking the the
2: Welcome to a very special episode of Kill the Mockingbirds. Ho, ho,
1: ho! Merry Christmas!
2: With your host, Sean Chris, and Joel Thomas. Brat, brat. <laughs> What's up, guys? Brat, brat. We're ready to go.
3: I am just jacked here on Christmas Day. I got some great, great friends in the building. We've all done a lot of podcasts together. We're super comfortable with each other. I'm looking at Eric right now from Uncomfortable, and he's leaned back in the cut, ready to go. Yeah, glad to be
4: involved. This is a lot of fun, We got
3: Tony Merkel from the Confessionals. Yep. I don't know who he is, but yeah, he's here. And we've got Cryptus of the Corn in the house. What's up, fellas? How you doing?
5: Living the dream. Fantastic. Woo! It's
3: great, boys. Great, boys. Yeah, this is going to be a wow in the day for everybody. We're super excited here on Christmas Day. It's a bonus episode, and we wanted to do this for you guys because you guys have been so good to us here lately, and we love all the guys that are here. Um, and we got a nice little group entourage thing going on when we do the podcast like this, and I'm really excited about it.
2: Before we get started, I got a little a uh, little teaser for you guys because since it is Christmas Day. You know, Dash of a Dancer, Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid and
1: Donder and Blitzen, but do you recall what's that? The most famous reindeer of
2: all. Come on, good off the. Baby. gotta get that dmx rudolph baby man that's the, that's the only way to hit off that <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> no but it's gonna be fun man i i i really am, uh interested to hear some of these topics well this topic in particular uh i know probably the least so yeah i, I don't know how you guys want to start this off but someone got to take it away because it can't be me because then no one's gonna know what we're talking about
3: yeah let's gonna this episode we're gonna hand it off to the smartest guy in the room, the biologist that we have on this nice little podcasting team that we tend to do things with from time to time. Justin from Cryptos of the corn I'm gonna start with you uh just let people know you know what 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 about this topic you know what makes it so interesting, and why people don't know a lot about it
6: so we're covering kind of both the movie nope and the organic ufo aspects where not just like as organic ships but these are organic creatures from the upper atmosphere these are actually members of our biosphere and with those compliments uh my neck may not support my head if it gets any bigger (laughs) Uh, but yeah so it's not really the ufo community specifically hates this topic because they think it kills the nuts and bolts or the extraterrestrial angle uh, so it kind of gets shut down really quick, but it doesn't. When we talk about it, we say this is really only about 5 to 6% of UFO sightings relate to these more organic-based creatures. Uh, so I think there's plenty of room for everybody, but I think that's probably why, for up until now, it hasn't gotten very much light. It's been really in the back room.
3: Yeah, I uh, I love the way you guys are uh, getting the UFO community their butt cheeks tight, baby. That's what we do around here. And I love the way you get them all jacked up and they get all angry because they can't accept the fact that there's multiple things. It's like with anything in life, right? We know that there's multiple angles to look at it. You know, and it's not like you guys are, you know, discrediting the, uh, you know, The tech based UFOs, the alien based or fallen angel based, like I like to talk about, you know, we're not we're not getting into that. We're not saying that doesn't exist. Like you said, you're talking about a small percentage, but these biological UFOs are a real thing.
6: Yeah, uh, exactly. And it's foolish to think that the largest environment we have on the planet up until recently, we thought had the least amount of life in it. Uh, Life will shove into every nook and cranny it can and form into an umbrella, a myriad of species. Um, But specifically, when we talk about it, we think most of these creatures are going to be living primarily in the upper part of the stratosphere and the lower part of the mesosphere. So why we picked this area is it's warm, it has liquid vapor water, uh, and we can't see it. So you, and that's kind of the big thing is like people are like, if they are organic creatures, why don't we see them all the time? well they're twenty five to forty five miles up. You're not seeing them with the naked eye, and we most of these e- creatures are either reflective or translucent. Well, how far can the human eye see? Well, unabated ten miles there we go, so we can't even see the top of our layer of the atmosphere, the troposphere uh most and most planes don't go higher than ten miles, like jets and stuff like that jumbo jets carrier planes, stuff like that yeah, roughly yeah, so that's at seven. that's seven to ten miles is where most of those. Planes ride, Uh, so it's five thousand or is it seven thousand something feet? Let's go seven. Seven thousand something feet. So yeah, somewhere in that in that range. So you would most times you don't see these creatures, but we do have through the episode we have plenty of stories of encounters with these creatures that kind of mirror what we see in the movie Nope. And the creature from Nope specifically is a hodgepodge of the several types of organic UFO. It has behaviors and looks of various different types. Uh, the famous silver disc, living UFO, is kind of the last one we talk about when we do this. And that's kind of its basic shape. But how it floats and looks like a cloud, that's the amoeba-like or the jellyfish-like. I have some stories for the living clouds. Uh, later, uh, raining bones and raining coins has been documented in the 1800s from a black cloud that threw up a bunch of bones we have that whole story for you
5: and raining blood oh yeah not to be Cl- confused with slayer but
6: yeah clouds have literally thrown up bloods
4: well it, it's it, it it's no it's no doubt that um uh, the guy that directed it what's his um jordan peel peel he he had a he either did the the research himself or he had a, a good team of people because there there were so many you know like the way that it was darting in and out of the clouds during the movie um <clears throat> how they filmed that it, whatever the the manner of special effects they were using was very convincing that was that was in, that was for me was probably the best part of that movie was watching that thing as it was darting in and out of the clouds and that <clears throat> that specifically reminds me of a um a series of sightings that happened in uh, Provo Utah I think starting back around 2007 and all the way up until 2020, I believe uh, a number of sightings of a manta ray that was about 14. A Provo manta ray. It was about uh, people estimated 14 foot uh, wingspan and like 24, 25 foot length tail. But the, (coughs) the, the reports were how it darted in and out of the cloud cover. Um, just like it was swimming through the ocean.
0: Wasn't Jordan Peele uh, the the uh, the Nickelodeon kid? No, he was wasn't. Mad he on TV. Nickelodeon. He he did the. That
2: I know of. he did Mad the, TV. Uh,
0: but didn't he start out on Nickelodeon as a kid?
2: Possibly. That's no, well, not that I know of. It that's may possible. Have. I really don't know. I don't know. Like, so, so I mean,
0: I know he's been, he's known for Mad TV and stuff, but I mean, he might have been given that storyline of do. He might not even looked into it himself and uh because with everything's going on today and stuff for that to come out the way it has it seems Mm -hmm. like very timely and i don't know if jordan peele is just kind of looking through all these research papers trying to come up with a storyline he might have been given that whole thing
4: that's a possibility but peel peel is very much in the horror genre and he had redone the uh um the the tv series twilight zone a couple of years ago that was pretty. Pretty damn good and, and wildly successful. So, I mean, he's into those topics anyway. Um, but
6: so the behaviors of Gene Jacket, which is the UFO, is based off a. Of, uh, there's a marine biologist they had help out. She based it off a of cuttlefish, uh, with how it reacts and how it uh, does the threat display and stuff like that. But they actually had government consultation on the film.
5: It is documented.
6: Yes. Well, I mean, it's, it, the, the,
0: Hollywood itself has uh, government influence documented. I mean, CIA oh, yeah. has offices in Hollywood for that reason; they have a say in what goes on. Or not, the CIA? What was it? The Depart- Department of Defense, I think it is. Like they, they're very active in any kind of war type movie. Um, it's mm-hmm. it, it's very much intertwined. It's very much intertwined. Let me ask. You, oh yeah. Let me ask you this real quickly. You were talking about uh, the the keys falling and and. Uh, what was it blood and something else? What was the other thing? Uh, bones. Bones. So uh, have you, have you thought about the meat showers in Kentucky and how? Maybe yep. Happened? I have
3: them listed. Also, okay, cool. Back to the government uh, stuff. So uh, you're right though. It's, it, it's not just that part, but you know, the CIA has been super deep, especially when it comes to war movies. I don't know if you guys remember that movie uh, Argo that Ben Affleck did. And he had uh CIA consultation. He actually went to CIA headquarters and they don't know what all those meetings that went down behind the scenes, but he had a lot of meetings with them and they're they're very influential in a lot of the films that come out and how they're produced. So I feel like not only is it going through a director and an executive producer and all that, but you've got these uh, three letter agencies that are looking over these scripts and looking over the final product to make sure that's polished the way that they want it to Before it comes out for people to see. And I think they did that with this film, too, because there's just no way that some of the the way that the UFO was acting and reacting in that movie was way too on par with a lot of these stories that are out there with these living UFOs. So that was the thing that really struck me. I'm watching that movie and I'm mind blown, probably more mind blown than the average person would be going into that movie. Cause I thought it was a good film, but I think it was even more so for me knowing, you know, what it was based off of. And I think, you know, all of us that have seen the film that knew that going into it. Uh, we were like kind of blown away. You know what I mean?
2: Did your handler give you that information? <laughs> 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 yes. Yes, they did. But I think the most important question that everybody really wants to know is you know they talk about space in this community. are UFOs faking gay? <laughs> that's what I came here for because that's what everybody's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just trying to figure it out because say do everything identified. In- <laughs>
0: I'm sick and tired of Hollywood's masculine portrayal of UFOs. <laughs> this needs to change. Yeah. <laughs> you
2: know, UFOs can be anything they want. There is you don't even know how many genders there is when it comes to like,
0: UFOs. like and, and that's why it's so. That's why milk is so important because w- during the the actual film, you see this transition of the UFO going from this black disc in the sky hiding behind the clouds to being open
4: and proud at the end, <laughs> blooming in mm. all, right. all flailed out, all flailed out. Its flags mm. waving. Oh my gosh!
5: It all has a purpose. So they're groomers. Merry Great. Christmas. Son why do you, why do you think they, they had those colored flags
0: dragging on the ground and stuff? And it was, it was like it was the only defense because it was confused. It didn't know if it wanted a flag or not wanted the flag. All it knew it was it out, and proud, from, out and proud, baby. And proud. it wasn't,
4: right wasn't making it wasn't making any discern. It. it was it was eating men. It was eating yeah, women. Yeah, it sure. was eating kids. It didn't matter. <laughs> it was eating everything. So UFOs are also leftists? (laughs)
2: Wow, man, this is (laughs) mind-blowing.
4: Who'd have fucking known?
1: Oh, gosh.
3: (laughs) All right, Justin, why don't you kick us off with one of the first stories, (laughs) since we know that they're non-binary.
0: Justin, make this a serious podcast now.
6: All right, you got it. So we're going to start off. I have them broken down by the actual body plans or body types we see and most commonly associated with the organic UFO phenomena. Uh, our first story was actually given to us from a listener. Uh, it's the Kansas manoray, And this was 2001. Uh, his name's Herb. That's all he gave us. But this is his exact quote. Jay, why don't you read
5: it? Oh, okay. I can't read. That's true. Back in around 0102 time frame... A friend and I was laying on the hood of the car, talking and looking up at the night sky. We were talking about the stars and personal relationships type stuff. a clear night in Kansas and the stars were very visible, and the moon had a good amount of light in the sky. As we were talking, we both paused for about 30 seconds as we see something very large flying gracefully just above the tree line. It was flying slow, and the wings moved like that of a manta ray. The front of its head was slightly longer than what a manta ray's head is like but it moved slowly as well. It made absolutely no noise and produced no wind that should have disturbed disturbed the trees only about 30 feet below it. You could see through it in the same as looking through clear gelatin and make out the stars on the other side of it. I thought maybe I was tired and my mind had imagined it. I feel tears welling up at my eyes due to the awe-inspiring event that happened, but brush the thought aside. I looked to my friend sitting next to me, and she is bawling, and asked, did you see that? I asked her if she saw something flying too. I tried to be as vague as possible to make sure we saw the same thing, and it was. Mind you, this was in Kansas, No, nowhere near a body of water. Closest river was about 50 miles away. Its size was close to an airliner, maybe a little smaller due to depth perception. Um, completely silent, though, and movements was very creature-like, not that of something man-made.
6: So... With this story, I, we had more conversations with him after he uh, gave this to us. Uh, but for the manta ray type, it, it's almost this feeling of being around. I don't know if any of you guys have experienced like seeing humpback whales or something like that. You're not really scared of them, but it's just a sense of something so much bigger than you. that It's all inspiring. And we've collected about 100 stories of these manta ray type creatures, and that's about 60% of them. It's just kind of a weird note that keeps popping up that they didn't feel, they feel like they're watching a humpback whale swim by. Uh, And then the gentle flapping, that does not affect the trees below it. This is an indication of a creature that's not propelling itself by like a bird's flap. It's most likely just steering itself with a gas filled, but it's raising with a gas filled sack that's internal. So that main chamber is probably full of a gas, just like a fish's swim bladder. It's kind of floating up and steering around with that fin motion. But what would that gas have it's to be? Like an, to, oh. uh, it'd probably either be helium or hydrogen.
4: Is there anything that we know in our known natural world that utilizes helium? So we,
6: I, don't, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head that uses helium, but I can tell you creatures that have used sulfur in their skin, uh, the ironclad snail literally uses iron and some other metals in its skin. It'll ingest them and push them out through its skin. Uh, natural biological organisms can produce a myriad of gases through our digestive system and fish through their swim bladders. Uh, as far as an actual helium or hydrogen, no, I'm not familiar with any, but life, that's not a limiting factor, especially with, if it's using hydrogen. Um, there's another story of a manta ray in Chile that these Chilean miners, and me and Joel talked about this, uh, had it flying overhead of the mine, about 30 men on their lunch break and they just shot it to hell, and it kind of popped, is what they explained. And when it popped, it fell straight to the ground, and it was like a deflated... It still was fleshy, but it's like a deflated balloon. The creature lost all of its shape.
4: Are you sure it wasn't a weather balloon?
6: Uh, uh, they were fairly certain it was alive, because they seen it fly. But this that was in 1938, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, What'd they do with it? And then... So, in that area in Chile, had the about 30 miles away, the head office for the Smithsonian of South America. And they called those guys. Jay, what did they do with it? And that's then? who took the body.
5: Work there. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I, we shoved it in a box How in the back. It still there, but you can't Next see it. Next
4: to Jay's hair. They did
6: allow the miners hmm. to keep the end of one of the fins. Uh, and so this miner chopped off a chunk of it, and it proceeded to rot very quickly and wreaked a high hell. I don't know if you guys have ever been around a jellyfish kill on beaches. It stinks. Bad. They're so simply based that they decompose super fast. Uh, so, yeah. But, yeah, so that's kind of Herb's story. And some of the weird notes that he put on that have some biological integrity, like the flapping but not moving anything around it, Just not doing that motion for propulsion like we'd see with a bird or a bug. It's more doing it just to kind of steer, like more of the fin on the back of a biplane.
0: So you said that mm-hmm. the reason why we're not seeing these is because they're they're so far up in the atmosphere,
6: right? Most of the species, I believe, is way up high. So that meeting point of the stratosphere and the mesosphere. Uh, these, I specifically, the manorays seem to get knocked down right before and right after storm systems. So Herb's story was right after a storm system. Uh, and we've collected a whole bunch of these stories, but then they almost seem to be always within three to four days of a heavy storm system. So what happens is these big thunderstorm clouds will either push air down or, or pull air up in front of them as they move through an area. So these creatures, if they are on the lower end of the stratosphere, they can get grabbed and pulled down. Uh, and we kind of think of really big animals of being immune to weather systems. But literally in 2008, a humpback whale got stranded in the middle of the Amazon rainforest because it got caught up in a typhoon. So even though these animals are incredibly large, they are still at the mercy of weather. a wrong place, wrong time kind of deal. The manta rays seem to be really slow, really peaceful. Uh, and they seem to be just kind of these large filter feeders. The Ohio River manta is another famous one. It was seen by two separate I got a
4: question. Yeah, you said they're feeders filter feeders what are they feeding on what's what is okay perfect what's in our air what's in our atmosphere that is
6: so a lot of stuff uh so specifically in nasa just so nasa didn't. and i know how we all feel about nasa
2: i love i love them
6: yeah yes never a straight answer not a space agency whatever uh but they before 2013 we thought anything above 10 miles was pretty barren, uh, even for minerals and nutrients. So we weren't expecting to find any kind of life. 2013, 2015, and 2019, they built these, basically these, uh, I used to build them for water systems. They're called Hester uh, They're called something different for the air. But basically, you make this bug motel. It's super rich in food, and it's it just it's supposed to propagate life once it gets up there. It's locked in a sterile environment until it gets to the desired destination. And then it's left there for like a week. And then you pull it back. So they did this in 2019. They were expecting to find maybe four to eight species of anything. And I mean, just anything, you know, whether it's bacteria, whatever. They actually found on the first pass mm-hmm. over 4,000 species with every major biological clade that's not a vertebrate. This is fungus, plants, bacteria. And some really primitive animals, including a primitive jellyfish lineage. So the atmosphere is actually teeming with life. It's just micro life. And then there's upwell of nutrients. So it's the same storm systems that are going through are actually taking, it's called detritus. It's any of this stuff that's kind of locked in the lower levels of the air or water column. And it's pushing it up into the upper atmosphere. So it's the reverse of the same phenomena that happens around deep ocean like falls. So the bottom of those deep ocean falls is full of food because it's where the ocean current's throwing all this stuff. Around our mountain ranges on the surface, we have the same phenomena, but it's going up. So you have these giant upwells of surface nutrients. There's actually a lot of food that's being taken from the surface, being pushed up, and a lot of animals that are now, animals, about, plants, and fungus that are breeding up there. What about the so tie that we or
3: eating other
6: oh, go ahead.
3: um wines that are up there? Because I've heard a story about, and I think we talked about it. One of the creatures, yeah, had
1: had came
3: down. It was like it almost looked metallic, if I'm correct, and it was like uh, right. And
6: that's the Nevada clam. And
3: then one of another one came and ate it, if I'm correct.
1: Mm.
3: Yeah, so
6: they are definitely eating each other. Uh, So the ones you're talking about are the silver disc-like entities. These literally are what I believe the Tic Tac UFO video is is a living creature. Uh, Just the way it's moving, the high speed. If you guys have ever watched a dolphin play with a tugboat, the first time i ever seen the Tic Tac video, that's what the behavior spoke to me of. Literally watching this thing that came in super fast, just kind of playing around with a spider jet. Then it got bored and just took off. It's the same phenomenon these highly intelligent creatures experience. They're just like, oh, I'm having fun. Okay, now I'm bored. It's time to go. There's the famous one from the Uinta Basin where you see this silver disc drop out of the high atmosphere, like straight down like a rock. Do a corkscrew and then take back off. So dolphins and stuff do these same behaviors, but for the Nevada clams, they landed on top of a basin. They seen glints in the upper sky all day. They don't. Uh, they were having a picnic. They they weren't sure what they were. Uh, what these glints were? About an eight-foot disc crashed on top of the basin with them. Uh, it was like a, basically imagine like a clam with a silver top and a and a silver bottom, with material coming out the sides like tentacles and what they presume were primitive eyes. And it had a chunk missing out of it. And there was a liquid coming out. But this liquid was silver in color and was kind of stringy. That's how they described it. They watched this creature make horrid noises for about half an hour. And then a one that was about 30 foot in diameter came down, swooped down, grabbed it, and took off. He assumed it was the mother, the, the original pilot, that seen this. But I have a very different vision that it was a predator and prey action and the predator finally found its, its wounded prey source. Uh, they are definitely eating each other. Like Tony said earlier with the meat showers, I believe a lot of our meat showers are either their breeding events or these, the, the basically whale falls. So these giant ones, these banner rays and the jellyfish we'll get to, are massive creatures. And there's some smaller creatures that seem to be much more predatory. So as these creatures get ripped apart in the upper atmosphere and they fall back down to earth, they're being shredded on the way down. That's how you can have the Kentucky meat shower with this unidentifiable meat that rained over. It was 10 miles long and four miles wide, ended up hitting about four counties in Kentucky. But it is not a rare phenomena. Star jelly and meat showers have happened all over the world for hundreds of years in documentation. Now, do you think
2: these things are, so I think are those natural are, to this environment or do you, uh, in our world, or do you think that they are from somewhere else or they're just a creature that hasn't been discovered similar to plenty of creatures that are in the bottom of the ocean that we have no idea about.
6: These are def- in my opinion, that's all I can give you. These are definitely creatures a part of our biosphere, so that means they are part of our family tree. Uh, so they may have split off a very very long time ago, but they are from Earth. They just have taken every, yeah, I'm sure you've all heard of like extremophiles. Uh, you have creatures that get in these h- niches that shouldn't have any kind of supporting of life. And they just flourish. We have whole ecosystems at the bottom of the ocean. They eat nothing but hot sulfur. So it's just another one of these environments that bloomed. And it's not even that. The radiation's the biggest thing. And if they are jellyfish-based, jellyfish, ba- based, jellyfish are already got rid of cancer and other radiation problems with how fast every cell in jellyfish's body <clears throat> is a stem cell. So they don't have the same problems we do. So it's putting ideas... Of our limited, our, our limits in biology, on a creature that doesn't have those same limits. But I do think they are members of our biosphere. So that primitive, uh, I can never remember the scientific, the family name. It's like car. It's a big long name. But the jellyfish family actually has documented members in the upper atmosphere. And keep in mind, these creatures are microbes, but they are in the same family as jellyfish. So the members there. So you have big gelatinous creatures, and jellyfish take all kinds of shape. They don't have to be your classic bell with tentacles hanging down. There's cone jellies. Yeah. Uh, have you guys ever seen a cone jelly? Oh uh, no. So they are literally. They look like. They look like they're man-made robots. Mm-hmm. They are these tubes. They have flashing LED lights on the inside, and there's been videos of these uh, that have been posted on like UFO sites and stuff like that. Like, look at this deep sea UFO. No, that's a cone jelly. That's an animal. That is a jellyfish that has its internal organs inverted with flashing LED lights. But they're not LED, but bi- they're bioluminescence. They look like LED lights. They look like lights. LED lights. Yeah. Uh, so, I, so that's a whole other thing is the light phenomena in the upper atmosphere, these giant light shows. There's a squid called a butterfly squid or a firefly squid. It's the same, uh, same genus. They are only about four inches long. Uh, has anybody ever heard of Christopher Columbus's underwater UFO sighting? Yeah. So this is probably what he's seen. Uh, these little tiny squids, like I said, three to four inches long, will all meet up on the surface, and they literally make a disco floor of light. They make these synchronized patterns that look like they're robotic in nature. So that's and literally it freaks people out because you you don't understand what you're seeing isn't actually a hundreds of thousands or millions of animals linking together and forming these complex light shows. So, but it, as far as you know, there's a, you're sitting on top of a giant UFO or a submerged object, but yeah, sorry. No, so, I can talk for this one ever kind
2: of link the whole like UFOs and going underwater and uh, space being underwater. You know, there's a lot of those theories like that. Do you think that is kind of where that comes from? Maybe they, like just kind of have it backwards.
6: I think there's, so basically the upper atmosphere and the ocean are almost the exact same environment. Uh, They fit so many similar categories. uh, And I'm talking about the open ocean. There's no hard structures. There's extreme pressures. uh, So creatures in these environments get really fast. They go invisible. Or they get really smart to help survive. Or they camouflage extremely and Joel, later, I was going to bring up Christina's story. Yeah. Uh,
3: so my girl has a story with one of the cloud creatures, which is really crazy. Uh, one, she was outside and it was about to storm. So we're talking about the storm stuff, right? And she's outside and it was about to storm. And there was a guy on top of a roof because they were working on roofs out here. And, uh, you know, she was... Telling him to get down. Like, you need to get down. It's storms coming. And he was he was looking the wrong way because, you know, when a storm's coming from one angle and you're not looking from that angle, it looks like everything's okay. And he looked back and, oh, I need to get down. And she said, she just looked and it looked like a cloud just came, drifted down out of the sky and then just crept into the woods and then just disappeared. But she said it wasn't like a regular cloud, like it was moving you know, in a way that you, it was a creature. And, and she said it, it happened so fast, but then she said, you know, she, she said, I think I saw one of those cloud creatures that that uh, I've heard uh, Justin talking about. And I'm like, yeah, it probably was. So.
6: so, yeah, she was talking about that. It seemed like it was trying not to touch the trees in the mailboxes around it. So jellyfish, we don't have them quite figured out yet. So they do complex mazes. Guys, think about it, if you're a jellyfish, you touch anything, you're dead. You're going to rip a chunk out of you. Your your body is so weakly made that you don't want to touch anything. Jellyfish ha- most have species have 26 to like 30 eyes, no real central nerve system and no brain, but they can navigate these complex mazes because if they touch anything, they die. When Christina told her story, that's what I was imagining, is this creature that's probably very soft and squishy that was like I can't touch anything, and that's why it was still looking like a cloud. It was more focused on not being ripped apart because it was thrown down into a neighborhood. Once it got somewhere, it felt safe. The disappearing act it did was probably more matching the same camouflage nature it needed to do. I think they're very fluid in camouflage, like uh, leafy sea dragons, cuttlefish, leaf fish, sargasso fish. There are literally all these animals that look like plants. You look up a sargasso fish, anybody at home, it doesn't look like a fish. Like any way you look at this thing, it does not look like a fish and they're open water fish. So their whole plan in these open water environments is to just to look like nothing without being invisible. So mimicking a cloud is a really good way to not get picked off by predators because uh, there's really like kind of two main sets for these creatures. There's the really fast ones and the really big, slow ones. So if you're really big and slow and you don't want to get caught while you're small, so while you're getting out of the food chain, you probably want to look like a cloud. So all the really fast guys leave you alone. So
4: Justin, you know, like if, a if one of these jellies, um, you know, falls to earth, it's going to decompose really quickly. The mantas, you know, some of them have been reported to be in like slightly transparent Mm -hmm. and some have been reported to look very much like a solid formed figure. Like you would see one coming out of the ocean. Um, Are mantas, are they just all cartilage or are there bone structure? I mean, if they were to fall to the ground, would there be anything that would?
6: You would, if it was a, if it was the manta ray like UFOs or the manta rays themselves.
4: No, the UFOs. I mean, if, if I just making sure, (laughs) I mean, they were probably
6: thicker versions of these jelly creatures. So, they probably would still break up if they fell from the upper atmosphere. But some of the stories we have of them actually like messing with their bodies—they fell from relatively low distances. So, like the meat showers are probably still rays and jellyfish mixed in, but they fell from the you know the stratosphere or even the mesosphere. Uh, The ones like the one that they killed and gave to the Smithsonian—they shot it it was like fifty feet above their camp. Though
3: really, so it didn't have.
6: they called him as what, the, how the story went.
3: Yeah. They came and took, him. I mean, that's how the Smithsonian works we know
6: is doing. they are prestigious and yeah. <laughs> oh no. They're like, thank you guys. You know, uh, but Jay. yeah, they rot extremely quickly. Uh, so out, <laughs> all these meat, uh, the meat showers and the gel je- and the star jelly events. So star jelly is another of these events where literally chunks of clear jelly rain over whole towns, cities, counties, and like several counties at once. Uh, There is a lot of stories of these chunks of jelly making people that touch them extremely sick. So if you look at jellyfish, uh, their stinging tentacles are an automatic firing mechanism. They don't die with them. Mm. They die they're still active until they rot. So a jellyfish can be dead for hours and hours and hours and still sting you, even if it's just a chunk of the jellyfish. So if they are somewhere related, it, it may be way, way distantly related. So these this manta ray or this jellyfish dies falls to earth breaks into a million little pieces. Uh, the the one out in, I believe it was Washington or Oregon is one of those Western States. Like a little girl literally picked up a piece of this jelly and she went to the ER about a half hour later. And then she died about an hour after that. Uh, they had, I think they had 50 or 60 people in the ER in that event from these people seeing like this jelly rain from the sky and going and picking it up. You know, you don't think about it. Uh, And it's really similar, like, and then Manta Wars are our kind of next category. They're not jellyfish, but they're jellyfish like they can still sing even longer past death after like jellyfish. But for the manta rays, I think they're just a thicker version of jellyfish. They're still gelatinous, uh, but it matters. And then for what you're saying, sometimes it looks solid. Sometimes it looks transparent. I think it's all about the angles. We just had a lady come on our show from Australia. Uh, Tony, she's actually been on your show. A uh, long I can't remember
5: what episode. But it was for something completely different.
6: Something completely different. Long time ago. But she actually has videos of a man ray circling an airport.
3: I've seen And me I showed Joel these videos.
6: <laughs> uh,
3: it looks like
6: Sometimes the It looks this like this
3: man it's got wings flapping these these things and they're huge and they're in the distance. It's wild. it, it really is.
6: This creature is probably 300 foot long uh but at some angles so for eric some angles this creature is 100 percent transparent almost it looks like it disappears out of existence and then other angles it's completely uh apparent like you can see it all of it so that's kind of the defense mechanism uh if you look at great white sharks oh that's a predator mechanism but if you look at great white sharks they're white on the bottom mm-hmm. and dark on top sure. so it's the same reason is when you look down you don't see them when you look up at them you don't see them uh, so we have all this, it's cryptic camouflage. So you have all these angles to match. So they want to show off sometimes to other members of their species if they're going to reproduce sexually. So you need to actually be able to find each other. But most of the time, you want most of your body to be transparent. Like uh, there's a Louisiana story. I don't have it written in front of me, but we have it collected where this manta ray was flying over a parish, and she explained the same thing when it was flying overhead. She could hardly see it. When it kind of flattened off and started going like along the ground, she could see it fully, and it was and so the edges were thick and par- like you could see them, but the belly and the top were were transparent. You could see almost all the way through this creature. And she almost described even organ-like structures inside. Uh, if you look at creatures like uh, sea angels, are really primitive jelly-like creature. They are really big, beautiful animals, uh, but they their organ sac, their bodies are like huge their organ sac is really tiny inside their bodies because their whole gimmick is to be transparent. So if you have all these big organs and a transparent body, that kind of defeats the purpose. And that's what that lady from Louisiana was describing was this tiny, like towards the head, you could see like a bundle of what she was assuming was organs and the whole rest of the creature was transparent. So muscle fibers and stuff like that are primitive muscle fibers hmm. can be very transparent, but organs have a really tough time.
2: Do you being think transparent? That there's like any connection with like I gotta uh, take a drink. orbs. Like, you know, a lot of people see orbs as maybe being like uh the beginning stages of these things. Like, you know, a lot of people have sightings of orbs and them being a lot of some people believe mm, that's interesting. Some people believe them to be, you know, like uh organisms as well. So could they be like some like the seed or you know what I mean, the the development or even like an egg type of, of deal. I don't know, like just like spitballing.
6: It's all speculative biology. So yes, they definitely could. Uh, so the next group I kind of had for you was what we call the cyanophores. And this is going to your orbs. Uh, do you, anybody ever heard the word cyanophore? It's a big, nasty word. You know what a man of war is? Yep. A man of war, jellyfish, quote unquote. Yep. They're not jellyfish. They're actually thousands of little organisms holding on together to form one body. So even though you see one man of war, it's actually a colony of animals forming that shape. So that's what a Sanifor is, is these colonial organisms. Uh, what we call the sky serpents are what we think are these kind of Sanifor-like creatures. But there's the ghost of the Sahara, which is not the lion. It's a different thing uh, for, Sean's, uh, for Sean's statement. They, these, these natives to the, uh, the Sahara say they see this orb at night. It kind of bounces along the air in the desert. And they all leave it alone, and they keep asking, "Well, why?" Uh, a white guy was kept asking, "Like, why do you leave this orb alone? Like, if you mess with the orb, it's a snake, and it eats all of our cattle." And he's like, "What are you talking about?" So he seen it as a. It was actually so he went and obviously he didn't believe the locals and went and looked at it, and it was like a flying jelly snake that had an orb on its belly, a bioluminescent sac. That so all you could mm-hmm. see was the orb part of it bouncing around through the night and you couldn't realize there's a giant animal attached to this orb because the rest of it's mostly clear and stuff like that. Another one is like the Mojave desert has this famous, really awesome video of glowing sky serpents. So what they see are these bunch of orbs in the sky and they're kind of all moving kind of wild and stuff like that. The guy that's filming this finally gets an angle and you can see it's all one. It's all one line of lights. There's a body connecting all these orbs of light together. But this thing is like a serpent. So as it's swinging, it's hard to tell that this light is connected to this light is connected to this light. So I think a lot of our orbs are could be these bioluminescent sacs uh, that are connected to one large creature. Or they could be small creatures or baby Let versions or eggs like you're saying, Sean. That's definitely... So, so
3: what about... It's all speculative. You know, you see Bigfoot with orbs. Um, what, what if it's... Uh, what if it's biological organisms that are around Bigfoot. And I'm I'm speaking more of the biological Bigfoot, not the metaphysical uh, versions. Um, Do you think that that's a possibility that maybe they're in some sort of area where these things feel comfortable enough where they're not seen really? And maybe, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. It's just a thought of mine.
6: No, so we actually talked about that in Supernatural Sasquatch is that orb lights may be another creature. We didn't compare it to the organic UFOs, but they may be another creature. It fits that environment. You know, Sasquatch is going to be in an area where they feel comfortable. Mm. So you're going to assume something else is going to be in that area that's going to feel comfortable. They don't Mm. necessarily have to be related because they're in the same area. But yeah, it could be, uh, especially offspring. This is kind of the biggest question so far. I've done probably four or 500 hours of research for a certain project involving uh, organic UFOs and the, the offspring are the hardest thing, but we just did an episode on eels. Do you understand the American eels? So these eels we study, they we've been studying place, since you know, uh, the 18th century. Mate. We've never seen one with eggs. We've never seen them breed. We've never seen one with eggs or our sperm cells. We just know eels go out to the Sargasso sea and baby eels come back from there. So we have no idea about 60% of the eels life, the American eel. So that's an animal that's here that we, that I went on surveys for that we caught. We don't know anything about it. So now we're talking about an animal or a group of animals that well, may, or may not exist, but you know, is definitely undocumented. So the offspring is always kind of the biggest question. Um, mm. uh,
5: what what if they're working in tandem with Bigfoot, and Bigfoot's like the <clears throat> nursery, you know, the babysitter, raises them in these environments.
4: Well, I've always and they're floating around. With I've them. always kind of had in the back of my head that you know the orb thing, being as prevalent as as it is with Bigfoot sightings, you know, it it's not in the majority of of reports, but it is prevalent enough to to take note of it because it's it's mentioned frequently. I've always kind of had in the back of my head, if that was some kind of a symbiotic relationship, either one of two things, either the, the orb is, is some sort of a manifestation when squatches are in that area by whatever it's an electronic or electromagnetic or, or some kind of a disturbance that happens, that's something natural to them. Or is it a symbiotic relationship that somehow, you know, they're in in tandem with each other, either one's one's uh, benefiting from the existence of the other one way or another, you know, like uh, like remoras are attached to uh, the bottom of a shark, you know, and they they feed on the scraps and stuff like that. So
6: there are so many crazy symbiotic relationships on this planet. That saying a Skyman array or an orb creature, whatever they are, and a Bigfoot have worked out something is not the craziest in that batch by a long shot. Even though those are two creatures we don't have documented by science. But stuff's discovered every year. So, yeah, I could definitely see something like that uh, or or a symbiotic relationship. I'm not sure what the Bigfoot would get out of it, but that's kind of the the
4: fun thing of the knowledge chain. Maybe it's just just Bigfoot's lantern. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Do you, do there you, you go. Think that <laughs> it could be using them to hunt. You we're talking about those natives and the white dude, like uh, going over there. Do you think those natives were kind of like oh, fucking white people? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he wanted to check it out. So when he did, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're the ones that got us started up. They're like, great, we were cool. Now all our animals are slaughtered and we're dead.
6: <laughs> yeah, they they pleaded with him not to go over there cuz they kind of took him you can stand whitey, in the area in the desert whitey. and see them go by yeah and this Eventually white guy is like too. it's I not ain't. a big snake first man <laughs> first man baby
3: man before man he's like i ain't we this episode about pre-atomites
2: so. white white privilege
4: <laughs> trying to keep down the the transitioning uh biological <laughs> uh, most
2: likely the reason we don't know much about it too is because Obviously, science is funded by certain people like, you know, and not even just about funding wise, just that uh, there's this gatekeeping right in science and every science where like, hey, we this is what we know. We can only study this about it. We can't go any further. So no one's going to go out of that box. I mean, people will, but not in mainstream science, correct?
6: Right, because of funding, Uh, not because scientists are 90 percent of science, 99 percent of scientists are normal, nice people. But they need a yeah. check. We all need a check, Especially right? Especially for
2: research and stuff. like that. So you can't even come out of pocket yeah. for a lot of that stuff.
6: I worked in a lab that we were all based off of research grants and stuff like that. So guess what we didn't get to do is anything we wanted to do is whatever the check came in and said we needed to do. Uh, and it, sometimes it was fun. Sometimes it wasn't, you know. But, yeah, so that's a big reason why science moves in the way it does now. Just because it's all funding-based. You know, there's no millionaire scientist. Well, there's very few, like, what we call millionaire scientists. They can go out and do whatever they want. Tom Slick was a famous one. Uh, I'm sure you guys know some of his stuff. But he hunted for the Yeti and then Bigfoot and then the Trinity's Alps giant salamander. Uh, because he was a oil tycoon. And he paid. He was famous in the Bigfoot community for a little bit. Because he actually paid. He gave a whole bunch of these Bigfooters all this money. He's like, go find him, and they messed it up because they wouldn't stop inviting. And that's kind of the famous thing with it. That's why he pulled funding from it. He literally somebody he gave them a, a, a basically a blank check to find Bigfoot, and these four or five guys could not stop fighting. And I believe that was the seventies, right? Tom like, mm-hmm. slick, late mid to late seventies. I think died. In that sounds like the Bigfoot. Ninety-two, <laughs> early nineties, hundred percent. Yeah,
5: it's all of these communities, it's Bigfoot UFO community. Hey, Doctor Justin. But. Eric yeah. from
4: uncomfortable podcast, longtime <laughs> listener, first time <laughs> caller here. Hey, I got a question for you. <laughs> now, now this is no shit because I messaged you about this and Joel, you did Joel. When you messaged me about doing this, uh, this group tonight, I told you that your timing was impeccable because I had just had something happen. So, this is what Justin, maybe a month ago. Oh, yeah. About that, maybe story. five weeks. So, I'm, 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 I got a story. Yeah. Can I does. tell my story? Yeah. Cause right. I think it's kind of relevant. So, so I'm sitting in the seat that I'm in right this moment. And right to the left of me is a picture window. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, my neighborhood has a lot of crows in it. And the house across the street had a really big oak tree in it. And those crows used to go into that tree all the time. Well, we had a storm come through, they lost a big branch and they decided to take down the whole damn tree. And it was a big ass tree. So now I've got these crows that fly around the neighborhood. And I think it's because they were used to that tree being there and they'll fly around that house. And it's like, they're looking for that tree And they fly around in a big circle for a while, and then they kind of fly off. It's like, I don't know. It's like they keep coming back to the same spot because they were used to it. So one day I'm sitting here, and I'm looking out the window, and there's, you know, 25, 30 crows flying around. And then from the edge of the picture window, coming across the the front, at first I thought it was uh, a seagull. Which was odd, because you know, typically, typically you don't see seagulls flying across my neighborhood. I initially it, I thought it looked like a white bird, but it looked like it was one and a half to maybe two times as big as one of the crows. And crows are big ass bird. And I got up. There, there was something about it, because center mass to this white thing, center mass, and i'm I'm talking you know maybe the size of a baseball, softball maybe, there was a there was a blue and reddish kind of arcing light that was and it was just it was relegated to the center mass of this thing, and it flew across. And I stood up and I had my, my phone in my right hand. I'm left-handed. I had my phone in my right hand and I went and I swiped up when I should have swiped down to, to get to the camera function on my iPhone. I swiped up and I was like, shit. So then I had to swipe over till I found the camera on the, on the page and I hit it. And I got the camera up just as it crossed to behind some trees, uh, three three houses over. And... You know, this thing was, <laughs> you know how when you look at a plane up in the sky, you can, you can tell that it's a, it's a big thing and you're seeing it, it's small because it's really far away. That's not what I was getting out of this. I was getting, whatever this thing was, it was at about the same altitude that those crows were flying and it wasn't much bigger than them. Like I said, maybe one and a half, maybe two times as big. But the one thing I did notice, like by the end of that two or three seconds that I saw it, I didn't see any flapping of wings. Yeah. And it just, it stays with me. And it was, it was strange because that, that undulating light that was about the size of a softball, it's center mass of this thing that was really strange. And I mean, I remember there being a a bluish tint to it and a reddish tint to it. And it seemed like it was like doing this. That is amazing. Is there anything that you've come across that, that sounds familiar?
6: I think you've seen a baby manta, ray. Uh, these manta ray types so the wing the shape the general shape so these don't look like i guess kind of like our conventional manrays. they're almost the the core the center mm-hmm. mass is kind of stretched out but we've never had i've never heard of a story of one being that small uh so how bioluminescent organs work they're actually bacterial filled sacs inside the body and the body shoots them different sugars to get different colors the manrays, rays almost exclusively blue and green light or blue and red lights uh really? there's one that we had in chile yeah so that's why I was like, when you started talking about that, I'm like, uh, so you, what you're probably seeing is a, a much smaller creature with its bacterial colony in the center, and it may have to—it's it, probably was feeding them or doing something. Is it was this broad day, or it
4: was—it was not quite four o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern time. So and it was a cloudy day. Out. I don't remember Winter that there was
2: be like around winterish time, fall time, like so. Was it dark at four? You know, like because right now. It's as soon as it hits five, you know it's pitch black. So like I'm saying, is it like closer to summer, like or closer
4: to fall? Well, I'm I'm like at the at the bottom of I'm at the state line of Indiana and Michigan, and this was at most five weeks ago. So four o'clock in the afternoon, it was still daylight. Like I said, it was overcast, it was cloudy. Yeah. Um But the thing I (laughs) I wanna say that I noticed can't be a hundred percent sure but the thing that struck me was it was a it was a very linear flight path there was there was no there was no flapping of the wings even though i say at first i thought it was a um a seagull there was no there was no flapping of the wings whatever whatever it was doing it was gliding in a in a very linear path and it did not seem to change altitude at all. It seemed to be right at about the same altitude that the, the crows are always at.
6: So I definitely think, especially these more manta ray type creatures are using like a gas filled sack. So they don't have to flap. They're just probably using these big wings to steer If it was comfortable at its altitude and it was had uh, momentum. It wouldn't move those wings at all. So that would be detrimental. Uh, so with giant filter feeders, you get big when you're a filter feeder because you want to glide basically with your body. Uh, so that definitely sees those those behaviors, even though it's a much smaller creature, it's still those same behaviors we're seeing in the adults. So I really think you've probably seen a baby manta ray
4: uh, just cruising by. You know, and as, as far as food sources, I mean, I suppose insects.
6: Oh, so they're probably eating much smaller stuff than that. Uh, probably uh, airborne microbes and stuff like that is probably what these creatures are eating. With a gelatinous skin, uh, they're probably more feeding like amoebas. Even though they do have an opening to pull in air and filter food out, uh, they're not like a. So like how whale sharks and stuff, they use gill rakers to pull food out of the water when they suck stuff in their mouth. Whales use baleen to filter through. These guys are probably actually using a permeable membrane. What that means is that they have it almost kind of looks like a mouth or a cup. And they're sucking air in, food particles are getting trapped, and the air is going out. Uh, so yeah, I mean there is literally a detritus and microbes is probably what these creatures are eating. And it, the biggest creatures on this planet have always eaten some of the smallest stuff.
2: True. And what about like because with these man rays you're talking about, um, maybe they people know more about them than they and than is led on to believe. Uh, At least some people, because what about the technology of, like, a blimp, for instance, right? Isn't that the similar of how they float with the gas? So, like, couldn't someone get that technology from some kind of dissection of these creatures of some sort?
6: Uh, They definitely could have, but uh, fish use the same thing. Like, swim bladders, we knew about swim bladders and fish in the 11th century and how kind of, we didn't know how they exactly worked, but we understood it was a gas-filled sack that allowed fish to be buoyant. So that kind of idea could have transferred over very easily. Uh, this is – there's a lot of those biological – the ocean and the upper atmosphere fit so many similarities. It's crazy. So, um, you
3: know, yeah. especially in this conspiratorial world, people talk about space and the ocean. And how that some of these uh, animals or fish have started in one place and ended up in another. Do you think there's some sort of correlation there with, you know, it being, you know, starting in one place and maybe uh, adapting to another place?
6: Yeah, so that's called co evolution. I, I believe that's what you're asking. Uh, So that is the ability for species to fit similar body plans for similar niches and not be related whatsoever. So let's say it's from the same primitive source. I mean, back day one mushrooms and jellyfish were some of the first complex creatures we ever had. So they diverged very early on. Uh, So the, like we're saying with the open ocean and the upper atmosphere, having so many similar niches and available spaces, these creatures are going to evolve these similar body plans to fit those same niches. So even though this creature looks like a manta ray, it's probably not related to one almost whatsoever. Uh, the jellyfish creatures we're gonna talk, we can talk about are the living clouds. They look like some creatures in the ocean. Hmm. They probably aren't related like very closely at all. But those body plans work for the same niche, the job of that animal, the job of being a big filter feeder is going to take a very certain type of body. That's why we see in the ocean, there's a giant ichthyosaur, which is a marine reptile, a giant fish was in the lead 60s, which is the biggest fish ever. Whale and whales have fit the, uh, almost the exact same body plan for the same job over Earth's history. Even though these creatures aren't related really whatsoever from three very distinct family groups. But they it, superficially, they look very similar because they're doing the same thing throughout time. Uh, so these creatures are doing the same thing. These manta rays, the manta ray body plan is a super efficient filter feeder body plan. That's why I keep going back to them being filter feeders. It just seems to fit with how they behave and their environment. Uh, some of these living clouds are probably scavengers. They move so slow, um, and then, like we're about to talk about, like the raining of bones and stuff like that. They're probably filter feeding or not filter feeding. They're probably scavenging like an amoeba and coughing up whatever they can't digest, just like the movie Nope. Uh, so they digest. So uh, uh, I'll just tell you, basically, and it was night or it was 1872 carroll parish louisiana this whole town had a storm system three days before and three days after but in between they had a flood that came up and receded they had thousands of gar and i'm sure you guys are all familiar with what gar are, but everybody at home gar are a heavily armored bony fish they can be quite large but they reek when they die uh they actually have a lung they breathe with so they actually have a lot of bacteria in them already when they die, they rot really quick. So in between these two storm cells, a giant black cloud was hovering over the town in the middle of day. It was so odd. They had hundreds of witnesses. And pretty much everybody's outside is just staring up at this cloud. And they said it was only two to 300 feet above the town. And then it proceeded out of the front of it to throw up millions of bones. Just throw, what they said, they basically said this cloud seemed to cough up Millions of bones, and then once it was done coughing up all these bones, it left. I uh, went museum. I think it's the New York National History Museum still has these bo- some of these bones, a collection.
5: <laughs> well, you know it's not the Smithsonian.
6: Yeah, because you can actually go see it. You can actually go see the box of these bones that fell, and they're almost all gar bones. They're actually gar scales. They're interlocking armor. Uh, so, coughing up stuff you can't digest is not uncommon in nature. Tiger sharks to owls, uh, snakes even will eat something. They eat the whole thing and they'll just throw up whatever they can't eat when they're done with it. So like the movie Nope, the coins, the keys, the horse, the friggin' metal horse. Uh, You know, when you can't digest something, you just throw it up. So that's like a very... To me, that was one of the really odd things about the movie. It was just like... uh, But they did have a marine biologist helping out. But this is so many things in this movie hit so many notions of this board. So like the lights and the power going out, that's a UFO thing. That's actually, and it's also an organic UFO thing too. So what could we have that's causing on an organic creature, these lights going, like what would cause electromagnetic disturbance? So sharks and paddlefish have, well, paddlefish is different, but sharks have the, uh, it's called the organ of Lazarus, which you have seen how sharks have all the pores on their nose these are all jelly-filled sacks that produce an electromagnetic field, and that's how they find prey. Hammerhead sharks, that's why their head's shaped like that, is they basically can cover three times the area for the same amount of body movement. So it's about efficiency. These produce a small electromagnetic wave, uh, and they can they can interfere with some small or and batteries. So small, tiny phone, like not quite phone battery. Paddlefish, though. So as, have you guys ever seen Paddlefish? Yes eric yes wow. but so this uh really big long nose they, like, they look like pinocchio and that is full of electromagnetic organs and that's how they hunt so they hunt microbes in the water column they're a giant fish in fresh water that hunts things you cannot see but they use the electromagnetic sensors to find them on their giant nose so if this creature is hunting through electro- electromagnetics they could be, because uh, it, it's going to be proportional to body size, they could definitely be strong enough to mess with the electronics. Uh, you know, car batteries, phones, stuff like that. They could definitely, but if it flew over like a power station, it's probably not going to mess with it because the amount of
5: uh, what? I was just saying, I had a thought on why it was cutting out electronics in the movie, but something we don't know about, but we speculated before. Huh. Just using the electromagnetic field as a use of locomotion. Oh, able, yeah. Climbing able, on the electromagnetic field. To be able to move through the atmosphere, just like it does in the movie. It moves so quickly, like it's in one cloud and boom, it's up in the air, you know, thousands of feet or it just shoots across the sky so fast, faster than what, you know, like air propulsion you think you can imagine could do or something breaking the sound barrier. If it's using electromagnetic field to, you know, as locomotion, somehow harnessing that energy or tapping into that, maybe it draws so much of its own, uh, I guess, electricity from its its area, you know, from its. Being that it, it is drawing from it's pulling from anything that's electronic around, so that's why things are only cutting out when it's nearby, you know what I mean? Yeah, so but that's something I uh, think it's I mean, don't think it's know air
6: propulsion, but that's just me, could be either or. Uh,
5: you don't know everything,
6: and then the raining of blood stuff is extremely historic. Uh, uh, you have the story in Adam Benedict's book, don't you? Yeah, you weren't ready, were you?
5: No, I got it right here. Oh, you. So you 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 pull this out in the middle of the conversation. Oh, you're yeah, just not ready. ready yeah, I'm ready.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want me? to, re- You're a bully.
5: Yeah, I've only been sitting here for an hour waiting to read this. Justin, you're a bully. An hour and four minutes. <laughs> oh, ha ha ha! All right, so yeah, in uh, the Daily Chicago Daily Tribune in January twenty first, eighteen eighty one, um, blood drizzling from clouds at Virginia. So in Bristol, Virginia, January 20th, Mr. James Quellen uh, arrived here today. And remember, this is 1881, so the, the writing is a bit different than what we're used oh, to. Oh,
6: gosh, the, the language is horrible.
5: Yes. So Mr. James Quellen arrived here today from Nicholsville and made a statement corroborated by the mayor and other prominent citizens of that place, in which he affirms that yesterday, about midday, a strange cloud was seen hovering over the half acre field on the farm of Dr. Abram Saylor in the lower end of Russell which is a town outside of uh, Nicholsville or outside of Bristol. Um, In a few minutes, a red shower began to fall and covered the ground and clothes of those who stood beneath it with a red substance, which could not be told from blood. Mr. Quillen's shirt shirt front and hat were covered with what appeared to be blood stains. The shower lasted about a minute and the red stuff came down in a slow, fine drizzle. The cloud then rolled off gradually. The singular part of the occurrence is that soon in this one place, The sky was clear. The phenomenon causes intense excitement amongst the colored and ignorant white people, many affirming the approach of the end of the world. Once again, keep in mind about the language. (laughs) But in the movie, Nope, they have that scene where they show it drizzling blood over the house and the house is covered. They're covered. And, you know, is it pulled Is the inspiration pulled straight from this article, or this account or others in the past? Or is that some of the knowledge, you know, that? wherever government officials were helping on this movie that, you know, that they had to, you know, it put into this movie.
6: Exactly. They don't. So why would a creature go out of its way to squeeze the blood out of all of its prey? Because it's not nitri- or it's not nutrient rich and it's heavy. Blood and water is extremely, well, blood is mostly water. It's really heavy. So if you're a creature that's whole, your most of your buoyancy in the atmosphere is based off of gas. You want to limit as much weight as possible. So squeezing or wringing all the blood out of a, out of your food source is a good way to get rid of a lot of non-nutritious weight and keep the good stuff back for digestion.
3: Interesting. Yeah, that's uh that's pretty crazy well, you in the know what? movie though when they were inside of that house and they, you know, basically just drop blood all over it. Now, here's the question too. Do you think that they do this uh, I get that they're trying to rid rid themselves of the source uh, of stuff they can't carry. But do you think they, they also use it kind of like in the movie when they use it as a scare tactic for the people that were there? Do you think they, they use it as like a predatory type of?
6: Oh. So in the movie, I do not take that as a scare tactic whatsoever, as in the creature's thing, it's going to scare them out of the house. I take it as it's waiting for more prey to come out. So I'm going to take this waiting opportunity to shed this off why i can't so i'm not hunting actively right now i'm not chasing anything so i can take i can take this opportunity to get rid of this extra weight um that's why it's when it's on top of his car waiting for him to come out and starts regurgitating all the extra stuff i don't think that as it's trying to scare him out by throwing up all the stuff i think it's you know it's just hit it's the creature waiting there like all right here's my opportunity to shed all this extra weight and get this thing that's stuck in my throat out uh so that's what I thought of it. But, yeah, I, I did not think about Wait, it using it as a scare tactic. whatsoever Justin, I, that's I just want
3: to switch Hollywood gears a little bit a scare because tech. you and I were talking on the phone a few weeks back. yeah. And this is something that I think everybody can get involved with in this conversation. Mm. Um, what do you think would happen if government agencies came and they said, look, UFOs exist, but they're all biological. And we have this body here, and we're going to show you that these creatures exist in this stratosphere that you normally won't see, but every now and then you might see. Um, and this is what encompasses all of it. So I want to ask everybody that's here what they think about this, yeah. too, because think about the the concept of if government agencies were to say that this is all of it. And they now they've got something to peg because they could. Use it as a cover for whatever else is going on, um, you know, as far as technological. I just want to know what everybody thinks about that. It was just something Justin and I had talked back and forth about. What do you think about it, Eric?
4: You know, I'm firmly rooted in the belief that there are nuts and bolts. Mm -hmm. Craft. As well (laughs) as there being the biological the entities that we're talking about tonight. Um so you know, if they were to come out and say that that is it, that these are all that there are, I would I would not believe them again. <laughs> just like I didn't believe them about Roswell. Uh um you know, my guess is if they would decide to come out and release something like that, it would, be, um, it would be slightly intercepted by the introduction of another uh, virus that uh, would take mm-hmm. over mainstream. Uh, you know, everybody would be paying attention to that rather than, oh, did, hey, did you hear the government released a bunch of stuff about biological uh, UFOs floating around in our atmosphere? No, hey, did you know that 400 million people died because of a new virus? Oh, yeah, I heard that on the news. So... You know, I mean, I think it'd be something similar to what we experienced with the uh, attempted self-disclosure that they they released uh, their admission uh, during think, the Tony? pandemic. So I... so Tom DeLonge, uh kind of forced
0: their hand, I think, with a lot of stuff. And uh, in a sense, in a sense, um, I'm not sold on Tom DeLong's total story here but the idea is that he forced their hand into talking about ufos this would be a very good opportunity for them to uh further the propaganda into moving away from ufo conversation uh giving them a blanket to claim what these things are and move on and if that were to happen i would suspect you would see them pushing it in a light where they would start transitioning the human consciousness to view such things as birds in the sky, just natural stuff. It is what I don't think you would, I think long-term there would be a lot. Cause I mean, people barely want to talk about UFOs as it is. And the government's talking about it. Uh, it, it would, it would be a very good opportunity for them to just, you know, natural. It's like birds in the sky moving on. And then they can continue with their nuts and bolts operations and their their psyop operations, and it's just it's just a, a orga, organic creature in the sky, and you know nothing to see here kind of thing. So I, I think that um, I, I'm with Erica on the, um, the 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 created aspect of things as well. Uh, I think that um, the more the more I've the more I've been involved in this stuff, the more I think that the government is certainly involved in ufos and uh i think that i i I think what's going on here and this is i'm really feeling more confirmed on it with some of the newer uh information coming out but i I really think that the the government has been for a long time uh re re re-engineering and regenerating Mm -hmm. ancient technology that we had lost and they have fallen uh, angels, baby. Here we go for their own benefits.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, you know, it's always going back to those portal babies. You know, uh, <laughs> with what Tony's saying, you know, with with what Tony's saying, that would that would certainly explain the the migration from using the term UFO to using the term UAP. Um, Wait, so you know, that. That whole, uh, the the verbiage with that. But then, you know, also then you kind of go into, you know, we we created the space force, right? Now we got a space force. Well, did the did the US army did they create the army before they had guns? Did they create the army before they had jeeps and vehicles to get them from one place to another? No. They had to have the, that that infrastructure had to be in place to some extent before they announced that they had an army. Well, if you got a space force and you announce that you have a space right. force, wouldn't it make sense that you have the vehicles yeah to accommodate that prior it's to announcing it
3: this.
4: yeah
0: that that's oh, ahead, i mean sorry. that I was, I was just going to say, that's why I really don't fear a whole lot of nuclear war talk that they keep putting, because I'm like, if really, if there's a real threat, like we, the technology we have is so far superior than nuclear weapons. It's not, and, and, and mm-hmm. everybody knows it. Like everybody that's in power in these different countries, they know it. And so like this whole nuclear war thing is literally mm-hmm. just to control your minds, exactly. not theirs.
3: They you uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. how about, uh, how about this concept? Yeah. You know, you remember that, uh, paranormal uh, virus that got talked about through the Pentagon Papers was it several months ago when they kind of slick released that out and said it came out of Skinwalker Ranch but you know how we talked about that it yeah. could be used as a cover to keep people away from the ranch so I'm almost wondering if this could be the same type of concept with these uh, organic UFOs and saying encompassing all of it to Cover up all of the other tech based yeah. UFOs and everything else that's going on as well. I it just kind of clicked that those two kind of correlated, yeah. yeah, 100%.
0: Uh, it, they it, it's a wet dream of theirs for everybody to accept that this is just a flying organism in the sky, like mm-hmm. it, it's all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, that, that would be like a Christmas for them. It, it, it's just they 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 don't want first of all there's national security uh aspects of this is too like i mean who knows what russia has who knows what china has but as far as what we have like they don't want to to tip their hat to any of that uh but it, it, at the end of the day and stuff it's all about controlling the the population's mind and if you, mm-hmm. it's like we're already in this mindset of you know natural things flying through the sky if you can if you can get everybody to identify all that like like just like justin did no like justin's working <laughs> for the government i'm, I'm pretty sure they both
1: the are he's
0: over here he's he's over, he's over here talking about fly, these organic ufos flying around the sky and he's like that's what the tic tac is i'm like what justin Listen, you
6: freaking
0: up because here, like, like, <laughs> listen. No, you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I'll tell you. I'll tell you Ever. what a Tic Tac UFO is. It's your own government testing its technology on its pilots to understand how human interact, unexpected how interaction react. is going to react towards these things in the sky. They, they want to know so that when they send it overseas to actually use it in military formatting, they can predict how their pilot's are going to react. Exactly. Justin, you psyop. Now I have to call you on the carpet. Hey, now, also, you want to agree with they, me. They
3: are you know, psyops. And, and to piggyback, <laughs> and to piggyback on that. And then I've got a handler.
0: <laughs> I know you are, Illuminati. <laughs> to
4: and to and piggyback playing, <laughs> tachy, wearing freak. To I'm to the only real still on, here. To piggyback on Tony's. We're still waiting on our said. checks, by the way. Justin to prove you're wrong and to prove that you work for the government, why would they be getting radar returns on the, on the tic-tacs? How are you going to get a radar return on a jellyfish?
6: Uh, I'm glad you asked that question. So, First you know why they got for. close Hold range. All saying,
0: let him turn to his manual, the proper answer <laughs> given to him by the government. Sure.
6: No. <laughs> now, right uh, so, you know, what's funny about those encounters is they only have them on close-range radar, not long-distance radar. So we have the same thing that happens with whales. Organic creatures, they only show up on close-distance radar. They're the size of not the long fucking distance radar. Bus.
4: We're talking about yeah, jelly. Yeah, but they're still not metal. We're talking about jelly in a sack.
6: But yeah, uh, no, I think that, well, first off, the Tic Tac, I think is a whole different thing than the jellyfish type. Uh, but no, it, the Tic Tac doesn't have to be what I just think it is. Uh, but if let's say they did say that, so what me and Joel were talking about on the phone with, if they, if the government came out tomorrow and said that they had a body like we talked about, and they said, this is all UFOs. What would happen is UFO community would die overnight because it's just sky whales. So the same thing that you guys are saying, nobody will care about it anymore because it becomes a natural creature. It's not fun anymore. There's no of the, there's the, the, no intrigue. There's the, no mystery. You call it an organic creature from the earth, you know, from Earth. Uh, I and here's what I told Joel: this is gearing up for the next five to ten years. Mm-hmm. They're gonna show a body of one of these creatures. I think so
3: too, man. They're I gonna have one out in the flatbed. Yeah, they're, no, I think they. They're will. gonna let you poke it. I'm with Justin. I'm in the. I'm in the in the in the thought that we're talking five ten percent guys. We're, we totally believe like you guys that it's all this tech. I totally. Majority is yeah. I, I think it's only five percent that this small percentage of them is all of them to try to cover it up. And they'll show us a body. You know what I mean? They'll show us they've, exactly. they've had bodies. They probably studied them and reverse engineered the bodies. Like we already know. Like they they got access to this stuff. I mean, if the Smithsonian's yeah. running down in in where was it Chile and, and snatched up a whole body. I mean, come on. They've got plenty yeah. of these things. They're probably shooting them out of the sky.
0: What do you think freaking Skywalker Ranch is? They're, re, re, they're, they're reverse Absolutely. engineering the paranormal there. That's what they're doing.
6: Exactly. So these are great ways. I, I 100% believe in this phenomenon, but it's a great way to cover up 95% of the other stuff. It's going to be used to just as a blanket term to say it's all organic UFOs because nobody cares if it's an animal, not if it's a space creature. If, it's an, if you can prove it's an organic animal from our biosphere, hey. Nobody cares anymore. We don't have yeah, protection of animals so, we know
3: about. Tony, you know I've been doing this uh deep dive on old earth and all this stuff. So in my deep dives on old earth and what I've been digging into with a lot of my new theories, I ran across a Bible verse, Tony, that talks about sky creatures. So it's actually Jeremiah 4:23 through 25. And it says, I looked at the earth, and it was formless and empty, and at the heavens, and their light was gone. So this is when old earth has been destroyed. This is when it's formless and empty, formless and void. I looked at the mountains, they were quaking, all the hills were swaying. Verse 25 says, I looked, and there were no people. Every bird in the sky had flown away. So when I was digging through it in the Hebrew, the it's not every bird. The translation is flying creatures. So flying creatures left uh, the earth. They went into the sky. So I'm I'm even questioning, Justin, how long that these mana ray or jellyfish or whatever have really been around? Like, you know, how long if you know, especially since, you know, I pulled that verse you know, I was even looking for that. That just happened, and I was I was watching a documentary. and This guy was talking about it too, and you know, I started digging through it, and I just thought that was really interesting. That that was actually that even ties into like biblical uh, scripture about flying creatures. So I mean, that could mean a host of things.
4: Well, I think it's obvious. I think it's obvious that they're the homing pigeons of the Nephilim.
3: <laughs> it could be. It could be, Eric. <laughs> The homing pigeons. You saw one. You saw a homing pigeon. That's what it was. It wasn't a baby manta ray. It was a homing
6: pigeon. (laughs) Homing pigeon. A gelatinous homing pigeon.
5: Now I've heard it all.
6: But I definitely think the movie Nope is a documentary to warm everybody
5: up to the idea. They're planting the seeds. It's planting the seeds. They just haven't figured out how to tax us on it yet.
6: You can ride this man ray around.
5: Yeah. Well, I scare not say Scaria uh, and Taxia on it. Uh, now, oh, for protection. Justin, have you heard any stories? Military protection. Have you heard any stories about dollars.
3: any of the flying creatures doing similar things to what that one did, where it just expanded and, and just literally looked like something completely different?
6: So, I'm trying to think of off the top of my head. There's a lot of these ones that don't seem to have a solid form, aren't a a core form so they're very gelatinous creatures almost like amoebas to where they can kind of di- but that is directly taken from a cuttlefish's behavior so when cuttlefish are threatened or doing a territorial display they will open up all their tentacles and so we keep in mind the, the biologist they had on staff was a marine biologist so they'll open all their tentacles but they'll dive their two feeding tentacles down and start pulsing light down them to distract whatever they're about to fight, you know, and then they'll lunge and kill whatever they're fighting with. That's exactly what Jean Jacket did is it was uh, the eye spot. That's what the eye is supposed to be. Oh, so this is like weird stuff. So weird stuff for the movie that didn't have any meaning. Do you know why everybody starts looking down halfway through the movie?
4: Well, yeah. Because what? Yeah. So that you weren't making Jean... eye contact.
6: Yes. So Jean Jacket is normally hunting other reflective creatures like himself. Uh, so the lucid percanum on the back of our eyes. Well, we don't have a lucid program, but there's still this shiny reflective layer in the back of our eyes. He's shooting out a light and catching it back on those cilia on, around his eye. That's how he's hunting. So it's trying to get stuff. So it's using the electromagnetic field to sense the general area of prey and then using that to home in on him. That's why he can come down at him and kind of figure out where he is. But can't pick him up so what, because it doesn't. He's not looking. So what at was
4: it. the point of him putting the big old googly eyes on the back of his uh, hoodie?
6: Because that's what he did to lure it at him to get it chasing him again. And then he let the flag out because it learned the flags meant esophageal trouble. Uh, so yeah, the 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 eyes on the back were like, okay, I'm going to run now. And I want you to come right here. So he had him up so he could flip him back down when he was if you know it got too close
4: or whatever. But those were fake eyes, so they wouldn't have been reflecting back at him, would they?
6: They were reflectors. Oh, were they? Yeah, they were bicycle reflectors. Oh, were they? He tied to the back were of head. They
3: just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had to know Yes, they were. Like, Peel had to know a lot going into this. Also,
6: mm-hmm. also, there are so many little odds and ends angle
3: that Tony was talking about. It's all interwoven throughout this movie too. Because I think they're pushing hard. Hundred percent. I think that movie was like the breakthrough movie. We're going to see more of these organic UFOs in more shows and movies as it progresses. Because that's the first time. But the best part is, Justin, when I was digging into these organic UFOs, they've been talked about for a long time long time. We're talking, you said 18th century. I mean, you can go all the way back. So it's, this isn't an, this isn't a foreign concept, even globally. It's not a foreign concept, but I do agree with you. If they're pushing it in the media and they're starting to shove it down our throats, they've definitely got a big agenda behind it. And I do think it is to cover up the tech based UFOs, you know, whatever we're testing in the government. And obviously Uh, Alien activity as well So I think it's a combination of all that
0: They're going Mm to Say though uh, As the counter to that That the reason why These pop up in movies now Is because of Mentally held back dorks like us Talking about (laughs) it all the time Pushing the topic And obviously it's always about money So (laughs) if we want to talk about it all the time They're going to give us more of it Because they just want to make money off of it That's what they're going to say. And there's going to be a ton of people that are like, yeah, it makes sense.
4: Well, Mm -hmm. I, for one, for having been into the subject matter of UFOs, like since I was a little kid, it really struck me seeing that movie at just how many points that they touched on throughout that whole movie. There were, there were just flags going up everywhere that it's like, hmm whoever was in charge they knew what they were doing it wasn't just oh,
6: it was a documentary for yeah, sure
4: it was it was really well done um Can I? the only place that they lost me is when it uh transfigured into that ribbon like uh you know once it lost its saucer shape and i even thought it was kind of funny that when it was in the saucer shape it was it was very reminiscent of a cowboy hat um, that they were all wearing in the movie. But when it turned into the ribbon thing, that they lost me on that. I, I, I didn't enjoy that portion that of it. That's the
3: best part um, of me.
4: Just what it became.
3: That was the best part to me. Man, I was like jumping out <laughs> of my couch when it did that because I was like, it's just like
4: Justin
1: said. Really? It's just like Justin it. said. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Yeah, I just I just didn't uh, care for the I didn't care for the yeah, the yeah. shape of of how they they did it. But was walking around climbing.
1: I knew it. I knew I it. Really I was. I'm it! not
4: lying. <laughs> I that's what I'm
1: telling you. I tried to call Justin sure. right after and he was
3: like, "Hey man, I can't really I'm with my girl right now. I can't pick up the phone." Cuz I think I tried to call like 10:30 at night cuz I was so jacked up about it. <laughs>
4: It was real late <laughs> I'm like I'm making a baby. I'm making a baby. <laughs> She's tickling but my chin here. I told
6: Joel to watch this movie did, for like a month.
0: And then he calls you <laughs> while you're trying to make a baby. <laughs>
6: exactly. Yeah.
0: But your wife cut into my time because it made you last longer. Oh, oh hey. just kidding.
6: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh man. Uh, well, no, let me ask you guys a question cuz I I I don't and this is partly probably because I um I uh I was passively watching today this movie. But um I don't understand the whole the whole storyline with the monkey and eating and killing the people and stuff. Why was that in this
6: movie? It's just in there to show the unpredictable nature of trained, quote unquote, animals and that the the uh the, the I can't think of what was the main actor's name the guy from the kids show, the Asian. Yeah. So he got kind of, it's just, that's the drama part of the movie. It shows that he has a complex that he was spared by that, uh, the chimp. So he thinks he can control these animals. So he's treating Gene jacket as another trained animal. And then he has control over him. And that when, so then when he does the big show, there's more people than he's ever done it with. So it's going to react differently. But, but you could have thrown that whole section out for my, for my likings, but that's why it's in there to show the unpredictable nature of quote unquote trained animals and that's like lucky the horse when he almost kicked the actress right off the beginning of the movie that's another one showing that these these small things can set off a trained animal uh, i worked with horses a lot and it does not take much to set off a 2000 pound animal well and they were uh, they can be the most docile puppy. and dogs, they were foreshadowing and then, with, kick your head with off. that
4: uh, mirrored globe you know, hey, don't look it in the eye. I'm not, okay, okay. So. so
3: we know how they yeah. do a lot of soft disclosure and all that. So, okay, I'm going really, really crazy here. So, what if they're also suggesting that the government could train some of these things in a way? You think that would be possible?
6: Hmm. I think you can. I think you can make them show up. So we've talked, I don't know. Oh, we, we, we have
5: yeah, talked about yeah.
6: this. Uh, so Stephen Greer, mm. he goes out to the desert and he does his kumbaya circle with everybody. Mm. But do you know what he also does during those? He shines a super bright light into the upper atmosphere and flashes it at intricate patterns. So for these animals, I think they're, he's mimicking a prey response. So a really quick, rapid flash. So, you know, like we talked about with the pilot seeing the glints in the upper atmosphere. I think he's luring one of these creatures in and then they see it. It comes right to the edge of the atmosphere. You see it, you know, nine, eight miles up and then it goes back up. It's like, okay, that's not food. It gets close enough to realize that's not food. So that's like I do think you can make them show up on demand, kind of like chumming for sharks. I think you're going to get about the same results you get with that. You can make them show up if they're in the area. But when they're there, you can't do anything about it. Oh, like <laughs> <out>. <laughs> we'll do it, Tony. We'll do it with you because me and Jay want to do it forever. I, I, he's doing it right out.
0: I'll, I'll do. I'll do it without the whole kumbaya bullcrap. But I like, oh, same. Like, like, give me, give me the laser pointer thing. Shoot it up in the sky. Invite this. It's like fishing, you know, Justin. This whole time, you've you've been doing a really good job painting the picture of a mirror world here, where it's just like. As of, as below, or so, as above, so is below, you freaking little <laughs> satanist. So, like, you know, you're, you're a hermetic
5: philosophy
0: yeah yeah, yeah. you' you're like uh you really paint this picture though that like the atmosphere is pretty much like a mirror image of the oceans and and the things react and interact in very similar manners. It's a wild nature world up there as it is in the ocean, the camouflaging and uh you know it's like it, we instead of fishing with a fishing line of hook, we're fishing with the light beams into the sky boom, and it's really kind of cool it's it's interesting you little oh, thank
6: you i'll take that I'll definitely take that compliment. That's fine, and I heard what you said too, but yeah, that's fine also. But that's actually how we fish for squid. Uh, we actually use li- like lit-up lures or lit-up lights with little hooks on them. So we're doing the exact same thing. We're bringing squids up from the deep ocean to hunt uh, with a light. So it's like you're saying, it's, a, it's just that mirrored image. Uh, yeah. the, the environments are so similar. You're going to have similar creatures. We see it all over nature.
5: Hmm. So what you're saying is we need to rig up a big hot air balloon with a big treble hook and flashing no, lights and launch yeah, it up I into the atmosphere? It may Let's work. Go! Let's <laughs> go! That might work! <laughs> we are going to need no, a bigger anyone balloon. anyone can do it, Justin. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I,
6: a... I think we could do it. <laughs> I think we could catch one. I know a couple areas. Well, me and Jay know a couple areas where they have extremely high density of
4: sightings. Well, you know, Joel. Mm-hmm. Joel um, Let's go, Joel. Let's go, Carolyn Carter. She she participates in she, CE five had
3: podcast. Sean, you remember that Sean? Yeah, yeah we yeah. had her on the podcast, so she talked. Yeah, she, she talked uh, us about that. She she uh, she did some of that though. Brought some entities back with her after that, if I'm correct. Yeah.
4: Hmm. Yeah, coming out of the wood line. Mm. Yeah. She's so.
3: What do you mean? Man, she brought entities back. Wild stories. Entities. entities.
5: <laughs> Jay, what do you think yeah. he means? He means what, do you I mean, mean? what? They're just like jellyfish, right? <laughs> like, like they're chumming around, living in her house, or He's what? <laughs> Are these sort of like spirit, spirit things, spirit like beings. in her mind?
3: Yeah, that's yeah.
5: <laughs> okay. I'm so I'm so, I want to apologize. <laughs> like homeless people, <laughs> right? Yeah. What are they swimming in her pool or something? Homeless
2: entities, you know what I'm saying? They, they, they Homeless
5: entities are people too. Yeah, they come out of the woodline. They come out of. I've seen them.
6: But yeah, I think Stephen Greer's basically fishing. I think fishing he's doing like two things, things,
3: though, twofold, though. I think. Like, it's it's not just. I think yes, he's fishing for the, fishing. the biologicals in the sky, but I also think he's fishing for them ones coming out of portals as well, man. I think he's. For sure. And I've and I've watched a lot of Greer stuff. Oh, yeah. Right. So and I've seen the pictures. Hell, I've seen people just with with C5 pictures anyway, man. So like and you could tell like they they're definitely they look like little grays mm-hmm. or or a multitude of different, you know, light beings and stuff like that, too. So He's fishing. He's fishing above and below. Uh-huh. That's the same time <laughs> yeah.
2: for all of oh, them. Isn't like one of the horses named Alistair or something like that? Like uh, like Alistair Crowley isn't there? Like a character or something uh, that's referenced? Was at- it?
6: it was it was Lucky Charlie and what I don't remember Alistair the Ghost Ghost. Uh, I think that was the three horses. Hmm.
2: I don't. I, I was hearing something about that. I'm
6: not sure.
5: Well, it's worth a review.
6: Yeah, I don't remember that. But See,
3: I like how... Mean, the, I was more watching Dr. the big Crowley jellyfish and in the Justin, sky. Justin, like, immediately swung his head over
5: at Jay, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yep, shoot, I I don't like that guy. Not a fan. He did summoned he really? the
6: Loch Ness Monster. Yeah.
5: I've never heard this story. Really? You'll have to
6: wait for a future episode. Huh. No, he claimed he did. He claimed he did but he claimed he did about everything on the side of the continent or the side of the, the globe.
5: Yeah. I think he ate his own poop too. So there. Yeah. What <laughs> you yeah. Want. Weigh it out. Yeah.
6: <laughs> well, you know. no, it was supposed to, the Loch Ness monster is supposed to be one of the entities from the, uh, the, the dark cabin of the mm. entities he released. Really? Yeah. It's crazy. It's, yeah, imagine how much stock you're gonna put dollars for Crowley, but
3: the uh, Loch Ness monster part of it—that's very interesting.
6: Yeah, that's where his—he had a cabin on Loch Ness.
0: Yeah, I want to own that cabin one day. <laughs>
6: <laughs> the new Not headquarters, say, by Media. the way. I
0: just want to rent. I want to Airbnb it because <laughs> I think I could make have. a lot of money with it. <laughs>
3: Or are going to think that I infiltrated you And like, see, see, he's got everybody Like, worshipping Satan now It's a
2: tattoo It's a tattoo
4: yeah.
2: It's all over, it's all over uh, Tony's films He's got that tattoo Showing everybody
4: yeah.
2: I knew it, but the only thing is We uh, haven't benefited no, yet no we just have, I'm just saying, like, I'm cool with PSYOPs As long as I benefit <laughs>
5: yeah we're still waiting for that check yeah we're waiting for our check either a shut up check or just keep going check I don't know whatever the memo says
2: (laughs) no I hate to do this to everybody but for me I'm gonna have to uh, wrap everything up Uh, cause I'm dying here you know what I mean I'm I'm on life support right now yeah guys (laughs) but before we leave can we get everybody to shout out where everybody can find you guys
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Starting with Cryptid, and then we'll go to Eric and then Tony.
6: All right. I'm Justin. And I'm Jay. And Crypts of the Corn Podcast. You can find us on all major podcast platforms, Facebook, Instagram. Our website's com. We have Patreon. And I asked Joel permission beforehand, so he said I could promote this. We have a live show coming out April 22nd. Uh, and that is in – or it's Post Town Elementary, Middletown, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And our topic is literally organic UFOs. We're gonna we have some video evidence we're gonna share. We're not gonna share anywhere else besides the live show. So go to our website for that stuff. I think that's everything.
4: That's great. Eric Sology Uncomfortable Podcast. You can listen to me anywhere you listen to the Confessionals, The Cryptids of the Corn, Kill the Mockingbirds, all the different platforms. On Instagram and Facebook at Uncomfortable Podcast Sixty Five and it's been a lot of fun guys talking weird weird <laughs> shit
0: <laughs> merkle media just check me out there merkle media everything i do is there podcasts movies
2: films books all that crap right there Media, check it out and you can find us at kill the mockingbirds podcast on instagram sean chris music on instagram joel Joel Thomas and Sean Chris, all streaming platforms and Van Tesla Music Instagram, and of course on podcasting 2.0 as well. This has been a a, a killer conversation. Now I have to watch the movie. Yeah, you gotta watch it now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're not getting a part two out of me, Sean. You missed your up.
2: <laughs> well, I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas. Uh we appreciate all the support. And uh, you know how we do it here. Wake the fuck up or just woke the fuck up?
4: Merry Christmas, everybody.
6: (laughs) Merry Christmas.
0: Bird killers!
1: seen